it's, I think it's funny, but it's why there's only one captain on the ship. Because mm-hmm. you only have to have endless fights about which way to avoid the iceberg, mm-hmm. port or starboard. You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On Wednesday, the 16th of October, 2019, we discussed our most personal topic yet, how intimate relationships impact entrepreneurs and their ventures. You'll hear from Dr. Art Nielsen, Clinical Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, as he describes the transferable relationship factors that leads to fighting fair in intimate relationships. I'm Dr. Art Nielsen. I'm a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, and couple therapist. I'm a clinical associate professor at Northwestern, where I teach psychiatry residents. And I also teach and uh, work at the Institute for Psychoanalysis in Chicago, so I'm a psychoanalyst. Mm -hmm. And I teach at the Family Institute at Northwestern, where I taught for 20 years. I taught a class called Marriage 101. It's an undergraduate class for couples that's relevant because the talk that I gave tonight, or the thing we're going to be talking about, mm-hmm. is related to that class. It's like, what do people need to know about how to fight fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and we're, we're at Enclave, so of course it all ties back into entrepreneurs and how that affects their business and those kind of things. But as you as you speak to students, really anybody, when you think about this, I think the thing that stuck out, stuck out to me personally was how how you manage conflict in a marriage yeah. is really what's going to be the primary indicator of success. Right, Scott. So the the biggest in, in research studies, prospective studies of couples, the best predictor is how they manage conflict. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter so much what the conflict is about, but it's sort of the more the music rather than the words, how they dance together, whether it's productive, collaborative, or whether it's a destructive kind of fight. And then it's obvious that how a couple's marriage is going is going to affect their work life, mm-hmm. but also their work life can affect their marriage and can have a spill over there. But the, even though this talk is mostly about intimate couples, it does have relevance to other situations where people have conflict. Actually, um, one of the groups that I've studied is the Harvard Negotiation Project. Okay. And they, they actually... Um, studied conflict between organizations, between management and labor, between countries, and also between couples. They worked at the Cambridge uh, Hospital with some couple therapists. So there are certain principles that apply in all of those settings Mm -hmm. for how to have healthy, um, what are called difficult conversations. Yeah. The the, the one point, one of the points that I wrote down first is, um, and I hope that I'm saying this right and correct me if I'm wrong, but... Loaded topics. Yeah. Yeah. Some topics, okay, so some topics are more loaded just because they're more important. So with couples like uh, sex, uh, children, and money are the three biggest ones. Mm -hmm. For Actually, for interestingly, for remarried couples where there are kids involved from previous marriages, kids Mm -hmm. top the list. 
that uh, stepchildren is the number one thing for uh, uh, couples that have not been married before. Kids come in, I think, third, second or third. Okay. But, so what they have conflict about. They're the most charged, most difficult topics. Right. But then, as I said in the lecture, lots of couples' arguments do not start with any of those. And all of them, even the ones that have to uh, manifestly have to do with money, for instance, or, or uh, uh, children, have are layered. So there's like a tip of an iceberg mm-hmm. where deeper issues come online. Mm-hmm. So issues especially love, love, respect, being listened to, being cared about, mm-hmm. um, trusting the other guy, whether the relationship is equitable. These issues can come up when you're discussing things like, you know, who's picking the kids up at school, mm-hmm. which would be maybe, a, a, you know, seem like a not a loaded topic. Right. Not one of those big three. Yeah. And the the image that you showed was uh, kind of like if you're, they were yeah. walking through Yellowstone yeah. and it's like, yeah, there's some hot springs on the top that, you know, right. they got to navigate. But the reality is that it's it's those kind of geysers at the bottom. Absolutely. The deeper, so the example that I gave is is of a couple that I saw where they're trying to decide whether to pay for a leaky roof. Mm-hmm. And it seemed obvious that they need to. <laughs> yeah. You can't live in a house that's going to wreck things. <laughs> yep. But they w- were still stuck. And the reason they were stuck was it really didn't have so much to do with money. It had to do with the symbolism of the house mm-hmm. that they had moved from another city to Chicago, and the husband really didn't want to move. Yeah. And the wife had picked the house, and he didn't much like that either. He mm-hmm. would have picked a different house. And and so he was actually, at the point they came to see me, he was wondering whether to stay in the marriage, wow. so stay in the metaphorical house. So that was really the tip of the iceberg was the roof that needed being fixed, the deeper stuff was the marriage in more generally and whether it was fair, the decision they made to come to Chicago. Yeah. John Dallas uh, mentioned it yeah. earlier. And then, um, you know, you, you said before you really started going and presenting and, and throughout your presentation, it was very clear um, as well. Two, two big factors, and I know there's more, but yeah, yeah. to tie it to Enclave as well is self-awareness and curiosity. curiosity. Can you talk about those two? Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. That was fun for me to see Enclave is already onto those because those are things that I've found to be so critical when couples are fighting. And so curio- uh, the self-awareness, if you're not aware of who you are and what your issues are, like if you're not aware that you had a bad day, you're likely to take it out on the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, you know, anyway, so that that's pretty obvious. People tend to project or blame the other person right. if they don't really understand what's going on in their own mind. Mm-hmm. That's one. And then being curious, curiosity helps you, for instance, when the other guy's mad at you to try to figure out what is it that they're really upset about. Mm-hmm. They may not be upset about what they're saying. Like if the roof example, mm-hmm. person might really be upset that, hey, we moved to Chicago at all, that that's the nerve that's getting touched. Yeah. So both of those things often go out the window when couples get going. They yeah. stop being curious and they stop remembering who they are. They're just on the attack. Yeah. They want to fight or flee. You you mentioned, and, and once again, there's a lot of different triggers, but I think that to really tie it into business as it relates mm, yeah. to just people having relationships with each other and understanding like what actually does cause that conflict is uh, 
joint decision making. Yeah, exactly. I call it the co-captain's problem, and <laughs> yeah. it's like it's a two per. This is excellent because it's a two person group, and it's mm-hmm. not obvious how you break a tie. When people come to see me, they often want me to break the tie. Like I'm the marital judge or something. I'm going to decide who is right. Should they move to another town? Should they have another kid? How should they deal with the mother-in-law? You know, and so it's very hard. And it's I think it's funny, but it's why there's only one captain on the ship because mm-hmm. you won't have to have endless fights about which way to avoid the iceberg, mm-hmm. port or starboard. And and so couples get can get stuck trying to figure out how to negotiate differences. And um, it's not as okay in, as it was in the past to just assume that either that it's a patriarchy where the man gets to make all the decisions mm-hmm. or that they have different spheres of influence. The woman makes all the decisions about the kids, the dad makes all the decisions about finances, for instance. Nowadays, uh, you see, and especially dual career couples, they both are making decisions about finances and they're both taking care of the kids. And, and so how to, uh, who gets the final say mm-hmm. and how to make it fair and uh, acceptable is a challenge. And it's a bigger challenge than, say, friends have. Right. Friends, you can have that with a friend. Like, okay, but the big decision is which restaurant are we going to? That's which, right. What movie are we going to? But that's like a nothing compared to some of the big life issues. Yeah. And you showed you shared that example too with like a friend versus a roommate. Yeah. As well. Yeah. If you want to change careers, <laughs> do you want me to tell you that story? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Do. So the story was like, so the woman is thinking is out to lunch with her friend, mm-hmm. and she's a high paid attorney at a big firm, and then she says to her friend, you know, I'm sort of sick of that. I'm thinking I've always wanted to be a novelist, and and her friend goes, you go, girl. That's great. You know, <laughs> go for your dream. And but she goes home and tells her husband, and he says, you must be out of your mind. <laughs> you know, we need the money. Have you ever written anything? Have you ever written a novel? No. It's like, so the, um, the husband is affected. The spouses are more affected by the decisions the other person makes, mm-hmm. which makes it much harder for them to be supportive mm-hmm. and to even to just listen to that. Like I suppose the husband could say, oh, I see – You've always wanted to do more writing. Um, maybe you could do that as a hobby or join a group and see how it goes. And, you know, you don't have to do all or nothing. You don't have to quit your job and just do that. Yeah. But that might be hard for somebody who is uh, frightened right. at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. 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 You know, what, you also mentioned, you know, so obviously as, as the, the world changes, you know, both both folks are both in the relationship are both working, right? And Often. let's just say they both have a, you know, a, a big responsibility in, in their business life. Um, and you mentioned how that can kind of, uh, maybe this isn't the right term, but kind of ping pong back and forth between yeah. business coming into the personal life Absolutely. and personal going into business. What would you, what are your kind of thoughts and recommendations for folks that are in that Situation. Well, I think I think they have to talk about it. I think our, our culture is um, hasn't figured it out. So yeah. I think it's a social problem in terms of childcare, in terms of women advancing in the workplace. Um, it's interesting. My wife is a career counselor. Mm-hmm. She was an attorney and a social worker, but then she made a career out of uh, consulting with people, initially just lawyers. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's happened is that uh, with the Me Too movement, you know, you think, um, well, you think, first of all, you think there's lots more women going to law school, like like um, women going to medical school. Now they're 50% students. 
there's more women enrolled in college than men. Mm -hmm. So you'd think, okay, so the women would rise in the management levels or or be on boards, but it turns out that's not so easy to do. One of the reasons is because then when women get to their childbearing years, they want to have kids, but how do you do that? How do you have a baby or little kids and also, you know, work at the firm or the hospital or in your business? And I think we don't do as good a job as a lot of cultures do on that. Mm-hmm. And I think there often is no mommy track. You know, there's like at, at some places of work that's seen as you're not really committed if you're not willing to work every weekend and you're not willing to do emails at night. That's true. And, and so it's a... Um, it's a built-in problem, and, and the paradoxical thing with, of course, sexual harassment in the workplace is terrible, mm-hmm. but there are places now where men are afraid to go on a business trip with a woman because they might be seen in the wrong way, and so they're, they're, in some ways it's even accentuated the bonding between older men and the younger guys, that are, you know, the mentor and the mentee, mm-hmm. and uh, some degree of avoidance of bringing up women up the hierarchy. Right. So, but these problems of um, sharing family responsibilities and balancing with work are, are they're almost universal in my practice. Yeah. And uh, you talk to successful, especially successful women, they're all always feeling guilty that they're not with their kids if they're at work. Oh. And then when they're with their kids, they're worried about I'm not doing the project that's due, you know, whenever it is, or the client's going to be unhappy. So they're often in a state of agitation, mm-hmm. which then somewhat can spill over into just having fun. Something I didn't talk about much. I know I can, I'm on a roll. No, on. you're good. But, Please uh, share. That's why we well, got you One on thing here. I didn't talk about was sexual relations. And a lot of times... When, couple, when couples I see them, they're fighting all the time, they're, they're not having sex. So it's almost universal. Mm-hmm. So, but one of the things that I didn't fully appreciate before was the, the impact of just playing a lot of stress on people's desire. Yeah. So I've seen, the most dramatic is I've seen a couple of, uh, maybe I can think of three guys that I saw where, their wives were very upset because the guy wasn't interested in them sexually. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? And the guys, when you talk to them, and if especially if I talk to them privately, what they would say is they were so preoccupied with work, they were so anxious that it would just completely knock their libido down. Right. They weren't interested. And unless you've actually seen it, that's not so much true for me. When I'm anxious, I'm still interested. Right, right, right. But a lot of guys are. are they, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on or how tired you are. Yeah. But there are people. So that's another way that the um, work can interfere. But I suppose more generally the way it, what it interferes is it can knock down your sense of humor or your pleasure in life. Mm-hmm. And then when you come home, your partner will go, you're such a grump. You know, why aren't we back to the way it was when we were courting? Yeah. What happened to the fun in our marriage? Right, right. And then uh, actually another one that I think of now is that it's not just clinical couples who are having trouble, but given the demands of work and family, and the family demands have increased too because, you know, 
kids have got organized sports from when they're like five. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, we the first organized sports we had, I was in seventh grade, we had Little League, but yeah. nothing before that. Outside so, of that, you were ratting around the neighborhood with your buddies. We just played till dark, <laughs> and the parents were, yeah. you know, right, come come home when we ring a bell or something, That's you know, call right. for you. So the demands of parenting and work have gone up. And then what's really hard for couples is to maintain some positive experiences that are just the two of them. Mm-hmm. So even going out for dinner, mm-hmm. for date nights, often goes by the wayside. And the more that happens, and people are almost leading parallel lives. Yeah, living in the same home together, but not yeah, even really which enjoying then, each other. Right, which then makes it that, that positivity can buffer yeah. the negativity. Yep. So then you're having a fight about the teenager or the money or the whatever, or the mm-hmm. sex. But it's not buffered or calmed down by a sense that we just had a great time last night or we have good times. Sometimes I talk to patients about how my parents used to have – I don't know anybody does this anymore. But my parents used to have cocktail hour, if you can believe it. Yeah? My dad would come home. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I think. My dad would come home. I mean, he was the CEO of this huge multinational corporation. He'd get home at 530 he only had a commute. It was only 15 minutes, which was nice. Okay, so that wasn't. That's another thing. There's more traffic, mm-hmm. but uh, so he'd get home, and w- the kids would still be playing outside, like you right. said. Yeah. Okay, before dinner, and they would sit down in the living room, and they would each have a martini or something, which oh, yeah. would you know chill out and share their lives. But I can't tell you now, like couples, they, they get home at like 7:30 or 8 or you know, and one of them then has got to deal with give the kids a bath and and drive the kids over here or there, pick them up. There's traveling teams that are often they've got a game in Detroit or Cleveland <laughs> yeah. or somewhere. You know? So, right. so the 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 uh, challenge of having quality time together that can help manage. The inevitable conflict, which was this, the main topic tonight, mm-hmm. is really a problem. Yeah, and and along those lines, you know, you're one of the things that you mentioned was you have to fight fair because yeah, conflict oh, yeah. is inevitable. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I think this ties directly to it, if, yeah, as, yeah. as long as I'm following my notes here correctly. Yeah, but the three C's that you have yes. to do that is calm, curious, and caring. Yes. Tell us more about that. Okay, so fighting fair means even when you're angry, mm-hmm. you can't just do what feels right, mm-hmm. which usually feels right is blaming the other person. That's <laughs> how people feel. They yeah. feel like I was just fine until my wife or my husband created some problem. Mm-hmm. If they would just do it my way, mm-hmm. it would be great. Okay, so in those moments, it's a moment of choice. What's going to happen is often determined in the first three minutes. Mm-hmm. And the advice, the, the sort of mantra that I give couples, mm-hmm. if people can do it, is to remain those three C's, to remain calm, curious, and caring. So calm is like you can't, if you're too upset and you can't think, you should try to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. So take deep breaths, talk to yourself. Actually being curious about the other guy and yourself will calm you down. But other things like like keep your priorities in mind. I don't want to create make this worse. I want to. This is an at bat. I can make it worse or better. Mm-hmm. And then being helpful, which I call being caring. Ask how the, how you can be helpful to the other person, is also a real game changer. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other things that are related to fighting fear, are the ability to listen. To be a good listener, of course, if you're calm and curious, you are a good listener and you're helpful. You're going to be helping the person to explain him or herself to you. So 
but to be a good listener rather than invalidating the other person and and to not take it too personally if they insult you mm-hmm. to, you always do this or they bring up stuff from a long time ago yeah to to remain in the in the uh, discussion and try to figure out what's really going on that that really helps so being a good listener but then also being a speaker who's able to ask for what you want and make yourself vulnerable without insulting the other person like you know every idiot knows that you should do it my way <laughs> it's not a good way to ask for what you want but but I do think that almost everybody it's not just mentally ill people or schizophrenics or whatever who can't who aren't good at this I think most people are not good at asking for things because it makes them vulnerable mm-hmm. or listening to criticism because it makes them feel ashamed or guilty mm-hmm. if people are more alert to these things we can actually do better. And there's actually research that shows that if you teach people these skills and or, and or you help them in therapy to figure out why it's so hard, what their hot buttons are, for instance, then they they can do better. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that my experience just kept coming on, Clavin, listening yeah. to different talks by folks that are um, you know trained like yourself. It, it, self-awareness for me there has been a, been a big journey for me. And the way that I view it, and you mentioned it multiple times tonight, is conflict is we like i feel like and i see it in the business world every day i mean i'm in sales so there's a lot of like you know you'll walk into a business owner to have a conversation and they can be kind of have an angry reaction towards you and it's like you don't even know me but okay already (laughs) but that it to me if you really think about it rationally and take yourself out of your emotional self and really just look at it they're inevitabilities. Yes. They're going to happen. That's Conflict's going to happen. Gonna happen. Someone's going to screw up, you know, in implementation or in service or yeah. in yeah, legal or whatever happens. And so I feel like one of the biggest things that's been a game changer for me just as it relates to conflict in general is when it happens, understanding as that, that emotion that can come through as a trigger point, a, a data point for me where it's like, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. I always like to try to pause and maybe, like you said tonight, remove myself from the situation or whatever it may be so I can come back in a time where it's a little bit more rational and clear. Yeah. No, I think trying to manage your sense of disappointment or distress is the first step. Mm -hmm. And one way to do it is to be empathic with the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, they are upset that, that you didn't do the... The, the, deliver the service that you thought you could do right. and or they want to pay less or whatever it is um, yeah I mean I think dealing with you know you wish that you had a, uh, a more routine meeting with the person that was yeah. starting out well right. <laughs> I actually when I'm having a really bad day or really had a tough time and I come home I will apologize um, proactively to my wife. I'll say, you know, I had a really bad day today. I apologize in advance for anything really obnoxious <laughs> I say to you, you know. But that's How does like, that work for you? It helps me. <laughs> yeah. It helps me. I think it actually helps her because it's sort of yeah. funny. Yeah. Right? You well, laugh. you're also telling her about but your I'm day telling me, I'm telling, I'm being honest. Right. I'm not saying, how come dinner isn't ready? <laughs> Where's the dinner? How come I tell you all, all the time I'm, yeah. I'm hungry? Yeah. You're insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember yeah, one time, yeah. this was pre-enclave days, I came home one time and the girl I was dating uh, was cooking me dinner yeah. and I was trying to eat healthy and oh. she had was oh, making Brussels good. sprouts and she had actually put 
bacon in the Brussels oh, sprouts. Yeah, and I actually got mad at her sure. because she was making That's dinner with great... bacon in it. <laughs> I was trying Scat. to eat healthy, so how could she possibly no, it's have It's a made totally great example. Way? Yeah. That's a great example because it feels like she's insensitive to your project. But really, it's it, that blinded you because you're so working on that. Yeah. It blinds you to the fact that she's still trying to be a good person. And she, labor was, of love. Making, she was making exactly. it for me, for and, sure. And there's that. I actually heard on TV that someone said that a person, a player on some football team was like, like bacon. You put bacon on anything, it makes it better. <laughs> this guy made any team better or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know? So, yeah, she thought that would help, and it would backfired. Yeah, and it was just – just... But that's a, that's a wonderful example. Yeah. yeah. So for, for our listeners, as we wrap up here, you know, obviously most of the folks are in the business community. Maybe they're entrepreneurs. What would be your, your last piece of advice for them? Well, I'd say when you get into conflict, which is inevitable, like mm-hmm. you said, or you're disappointed or you have to give somebody bad advice or you want them to change their behavior, you have to recognize that it's an at-bat and you can make it either better or worse. Mm-hmm. And how you conduct yourself, the way you talk, the process by which you try to make it collaborative mm-hmm. is hard. Mm-hmm. But the, the most important things are be, be a good listener, try to be empathic with the other person, and follow those three Cs. Try to be calm, try to be curious, and see if you can be helpful mm-hmm. to reach some sort of agreement that may be not optimal, not be perfect, just like labor and management. Mm-hmm. It won't necessarily be perfect. It may be a compromise, but that may still be the best that two people can do. So yeah. that's what I—that'd be my advice. Well, hey, we okay. we appreciate you coming tonight and hopping Thanks. on the podcast as well. Thank you, Scott. It was Thank fun you. for me. Really, it. it was. Yeah. As we just heard, trying to avoid conflict is similar to leaving downtown Chicago at 5 p.m. and acting surprised by the bumper-to-bumper traffic. Conflict with those we are in intimate relationships with is an absolute inevitability. Being self-aware and identifying why you are feeling a certain way can help us all work through our issues. And of course, this will lead to a healthier work-life blend as you build your venture. For more information on our third Wednesday of every month masterclass in applied metacognition, please visit EnclaveForEntrepreneurs.com.